Welcome to the party, pal. Michael Dukes show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, across the world and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, uh, and I guess around the world on the internet, the interwebs, at MichaelDukeshow.com. Hi, how are you? Welcome to Tuesday. Are you, <laughs> somebody in the chat room just said, thank God Monday's over. Yeah, it is. It's over. Today's going to be a great day. It's going to be good. You're going to love it. It's I I I I prophesy you are going to be happy today. I mean, at some point during the day, it's going to be a good day. You can't, you know, every day above ground is a good day, my friends. Uh, besides the fact that it's Tuesday, which means that coming up in hour two in the program this morning, we are going to get our weekly life coaching lesson from Chris Story, the man from Homer who is, uh, I mean, as always, comes in to give us that philosophical boost that we need. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about the three Ps of creating wealth in any market at any time. Now, is he talking about real wealth or is he talking about, you know, is he talking about financial wealth or spiritual? I don't know. I have no idea. And uh, I'm I I've got no got no clue. So anyway, I know that it's gonna be it's gonna feel good when we're done. That's the important part. And really, isn't that what it's all about? That I feel good when I'm done. That's, that's really why I do this show. <laughs> as much as I love all of you, if I don't feel good about it, oof, man. That's why we bring Chris Story on every week to discuss it. The three Ps. Our price, price, price says Paul. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. The three P's of wealth. Yes. Um, so anyway, we're going to uh, we're going to talk with Chris Story in hour two. In hour one of the program today, we are going to dive into it with our friend Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And today, we are going to be talking about where does the budget go from here and the potential for vetoes now that the governor has. Uh, very clearly said that uh, the spending is in line with what the people expect, uh, which to to which I I said, what? <laughs> I mean, what? It's unsustainably high. We know that. Is the governor actually going to veto anything? Um, I don't. Um, I don't know. So I guess we'll find out. Uh, with that, we're also going to talk uh, a bit about uh, the reasonableness of the P of D. What is the reasonable? How much is a reasonable PFD? I guess you know, depends on how much money you make. If you're making a hundred thousand bucks a month, PFD is not that big a deal. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's like somebody that's like somebody who's making ten grand a month and they, they buy. I mean, it, it, you know, to some people it's a lot, like buying a car. To other people's, it's like buying a cheeseburger. It's just not that big a deal. Um, but uh, 
it, it really um it, it really is uh, uh a, a crazy thing uh but we're going to talk about that uh this morning with him and when it's all said and done uh we will uh, also finish up with pika and we're really this time we mean it we're going to talk about the the pika thing um and uh we, we've been trying for Gosh, I think this is the third week in a row to get all the way to number three. So you guys will have to pray for me and hope that I keep things on track enough to get all the way to number three today. Because we've been trying to talk about this Pika thing since, you know, whenever, back in April. <laughs> so <laughs> that's 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 what it all comes down to. Um, all right. So uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll coast through some headlines this morning before we dive into it with Brad Keithley and talk a little bit about some of the uh, the bigger issues that are coming up. Now, finally, fi- and I don't know why, I, I don't know why, it took him so long to make the announcement or make the decision. Uh, but the governor <clears throat> has finally announced his running mate. And I was wrong, fully admit I was wrong. I, I was like, why are you waiting so long? Every other ticket out there has uh, announced their running mate. Why? I, I figured... That the governor must be holding back because you know he was going to try and um, and pick somebody who was in the legislature, and of course they couldn't you know they couldn't do anything about it till after the session was over, and uh, so I thought that was a pretty reasonable assumption. Turns out I was so wrong, so wrong, um, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if this I don't know if this moves the needle at all. Uh, Nancy Dahlstrom, who has been the state commissioner of uh, the Department of Corrections since Dunleavy took office in 2018, has now been tapped as his running mate for lieutenant governor. Now, she initially, if you remember, she first served in the state house about t- almost 20 years ago. She uh, she lost a bid in the primary to Lisa Murkowski when she was running for state house. And then after Frank Murkowski was uh, uh, was elected as governor um, and nominated his daughter and appointed his daughter to the Senate, Dahlstrom was then appointed by him to replace his daughter in the House. So she served in the House for a few years, uh, uh, six, seven, eight years. And then she started working for the Parnell administration as a military affairs advisor. There was some, there was some, some conundrums there. There was um, uh, some questions about provisions in the Alaska State Constitution that says lawmakers can't take positions created while they're in office. And that new military affairs advisor position had just been freshly minted not too long before that. So anyway, she stepped down from that. But anyway, she's, so she's been in government for a long time. She's been working in government at one level or another for the last 20 years. And so my big question then becomes, does this really, does this move the needle? Now, I remember earlier I said, somebody had said, oh, well, I'm sure he's waiting for Shelly Hughes. And that wouldn't make any sense because, <clears throat> you know, part of the equation when you're running for governor is that you're looking to attract the interest of the entire state. And if you've got two people in a running, in a ticket who are both from the same area, that's a little more difficult. So my supposition was that the governor would probably pull somebody from the interior or somebody from the peninsula because you're trying to reach, you know, larger parts of the state. 
Uh, but instead, he he's tapped somebody from Eagle River, which is ostensibly part of Anchorage, although they feel like they're their own little thing. Um, and so I guess he's accomplished that. At least, at least they're not two Valley folks, um, which checks off some boxes in the whole scheme of things. But does it make the Dunleavy administration more attractive for re-election? And um, I guess personally, I would say not really. Um, I guess, you know, what we've done here is we've gone the safe route. Uh, Somebody who is potentially non-offensive, I guess, would be the word that I would use. But also, uh, on the downside of this, somebody who has spent the last 20 years working in government at one level or another. And I just just don't know. I just don't think this moves the needle anywhere. I, I I just don't think that this really bumps it in one direction or another. I mean, maybe it bumps it a little bit in the downward direction for me personally. Because I'm like, oh, man, I, just another career bureaucrat slash politician. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, again, I have been so, I'm becoming so jaded over some of these races, especially for governor. Um, because I keep getting, I mean, I keep getting stung. I keep thinking, okay, this is the person, this is the one, this is the one, this this will be the good choice. This will be the great, you know, oh, ugh. And it's it's not working out, man. It's not working out. So that's the big announcement that uh, everybody's been working, uh, w- waiting on. And now the teams are, I guess, set. Now, we've got until the 1st of June for candidates to finalize and, and sign up and, and get their Get their uh, get their paperwork in order and get all filed with the Division of Elections. Other uh, the other candidates, of course, are Les Guerra and the teacher, uh, the education uh, 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 person Jessica Cook. She's big in education. Bill Walker and Heidi Dragas, again another bureaucrat, Heidi Dragas, uh, who's been part of the establishment for a long time. Uh, Charlie Pierce and Edie Grunwald which uh, we've interviewed on the program here several times and is my personal choice uh, that if I, you know, if I were king for a day, that'd be the one that I would pick. Republicans David Haig and Waynette Coleman, who I've not spoken to, and I'm, I guess we'll try and get them on the program along with Republicans Bruce Walden and Tanya Lang. Uh, finally, you've got AIP candidates John Wayne Howell and Shelley Wyatt and Libertarians Billy Toyne and Shirley Rainbolt. Now, finally, and this is an interesting caveat at the very end, State Representative Christopher Kirka, Republican from Wasilla, announced a run for governor with Paul Hooper of Homer as his running mate. But uh, the ADN mentions that they have announced a run, but they have yet to file with the Division of Elections, which has got to be done by June the 1st to appear on the ballot. And most recently, of course, Kirka made headlines in voting against the full PFD in the legislature, and I saw a lot of angst coming out of people uh, on Facebook and social media and in the chat room and everything else over that vote. And um, so I don't know, does he officially file or, 
I mean, I think the inclination was he knew he really didn't have a chance. He was trying to make a splash or do what. I mean, who knows? Who knows at this point whether or not they're going to actually file and run. But they they potentially could, and we've had him on the program to discuss it. So that's the uh, that's the field of candidates now. And uh, like I said, not a whole lot of inspiration um, on this pick. It's not moving. It's not moving my needle in 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 the direction of uh, choosing the Dunleavy campaign for uh, for a lot of reasons. But that's the big that's the big one for today. Um, we also got this thing on the uh, East Cook Inlet clamming that how that's closed, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but we don't have time for that right now. So. We'll revisit that probably at the top of the next hour after we get done with Brad. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the program. But uh, it's that time. We'll move on over to... uh, We'll move on over here to Brad Keithley. Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The weekly top three is up next. Right here on your home for Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. We are in the break. How you guys doing? Um, I went in all in and campaigned for Governor Hart in 2018. I'll be voting for Charlie Pierce because of this time around. He's been an amazing mayor of the Kenai and is a true fiscal conservative. Both the first mayor in Alaska to see to say that we are open for business at the beginning of the pandemic. No, I mean I I, I agree. Um, I like Charlie. I like Edie. I think they're both real people. Um, and although Charlie has been, you know, the mayor of the KPB, he's got a lot of experience in the private sector, which I like as well. Uh, Edie, uh, is also passionate about what she does and everything. I I just think they're a good, I think they're a good team. So I, I really like that. Um, scrolling backwards here to the top. Boy, my hair is a little wild this morning. There we go. I mean, I don't have much, it's getting a little thin on top, but, uh. I'm trying to keep it, you know, I'm not going to be one of those guys that grows my hair out five feet tall on the top and weaves it back and forth to hide my, uh, my shiny pate. But, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to get it. It's a little crazy this morning. I need a, I need a stylist. I need a stylist to do my hair and makeup before the show. Uh, let's see what else back at the top near the beginning. Um, Dan Fagan was making my head hurt. So I came right over here as soon as I see you went live. Well, good. Thanks, Hawk. I don't know why Fagan was making your head hurt, but um, okay. <laughs> oh, let's see. We were just talking about your hair, said Brian. I know. I could feel it. My ears were burning. Um, how dare you wanting a full PFD? Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. A reasonable PFD is the one that's legally structured. I would agree with that. Um, 
Uh, Rick says, first mistake you ever made. Uh, yeah, I wish that was the first, first mistake I made this week. Maybe, um, good morning. Good morning. He's wasting time and money. I believe Pierce is on track to take over said, uh, uh, said, uh, Rick. Okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Okay, hey, so do me a favor, would you? Um, There's 46 of us here in the chat room. I put this post up on my Facebook page yesterday uh, for the show. I've got over 3,500 followers on the show page, um, which is, it's a nice chunk, don't get me wrong, but I need to get 1,000, I need to get 1,000 followers, uh, subscribers on YouTube. To hit the next level of uh, <clears throat> to be able to to do things like super chats and some of the other things that we can do um, uh, on YouTube, um, and I so I need a thousand subscribers. Yesterday I had 180. Now I've got 233. So some folks have been listening and have uh, have followed over. So if you haven't, can you do me a favor this morning? Can you go over to YouTube and you can come right back. You don't have to stay over on YouTube. But could you go over to YouTube and uh, hit subscribe and ring the bell over there as well? Um, so I got I need to get a thousand subscribers to get to the. I'm trying to get to these super chat things and some other stuff, some other features that YouTube offers. But you got to have a thousand subscribers to do it. And uh, so I'm a quarter of the way there. Uh, I mean, again, 3,500 <clears throat> 3, followers. There's only 45 people in the chat room with 3,500 followers. Obviously, I'm. Some people are not there. I'm not high on some people's uh, wall when they come out in the morning. But anyway, there you go. Uh, so if you anyway, follow the link that I just dropped in the chat room, go over there. You can subscribe and then come back. That would be fine. Or you can keep following on on YouTube, whatever you want to do. Holy crap. I forgot. I got to call Brad. Let's get this done real quick. Uh, we'll get this. Uh, we'll get this. I got talking, man. This is my problem. I got uh, 30 seconds here. Uh, launch the meeting, open Zoom, blah, 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 blah. Let's get this going on. All right. Um, 15 seconds. <laughs> Nothing like cutting it short. Oh, my God. All right. <clears throat> we're about to get it done. Brad, we're just going to come in cold on Brad. That's how it's going to work. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. See what happens? I I start to chat and talk, and the next thing I know, I run a four-minute commercial break um, and uh, and realize that uh, I had failed to connect to my guest. That was like the that was like the number one priority, and I don't know what I, I don't know what happened. But uh, luckily, he's a consummate professional. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets joins us this morning to uh, to discuss things. Hey, Brad, sorry about that, my friend. Oh, that's okay. You got you got your hair in place though. That, I did. Well, we that was priorities. Here. I know. I got distracted by my own hair today, uh, which is a problem that Brad doesn't have apparently. So it's all okay. <laughs> it's all okay. Uh, don't worry, Brad. I'm getting there. I'm going to be close to you here pretty quick, so it'll be fine. Uh, well, I like I like those over the ears. Um, you know, uh, uh, 
the thing that you have so you can just smooth it back. Yeah, you know, the headphones. Yeah, I, I have to put on a yeah. baseball cap. When I you just use the headphones, it. and it's like a headband. It's like you know Sabrina the Teenage Witch with a headband. You just kind of flip it back, and away you go. Um, all right, hey, uh, so let's um, let's start. Let's just uh, let's just start things off this morning. First things first. Uh, we saw this quote from the governor. Uh, it was carried by the Fairbanks Daily News Miner specifically. And uh, I had a whole conversation about this yesterday, uh, which was the, uh, you know, the budget and the governor's comment of, well, I think that the spending is right where the people of Alaska expected it, you know, have expectations or I, I did. And I just looked at the quote and I was just like, what? I mean, this is the largest budget we've seen. I mean, it is huge. It's unsustainable. But this is the level of expectation, the governor says, which I am afraid does not bode well. For the idea that Showers and other have said that, well, we passed the budget with the expectation that the governor is going to use the red pen. And based on that statement alone, I think that that might be folly. What say you, my friend? Well, I got to admit, Michael, I was surprised to see the governor's statement. I, uh, I think he would. Um, he's got to. He's got to start being concerned about Charlie Pierce. Uh, and and I would think that this opportunity to veto some of the stuff in the budget. Uh, would be one that he would want to take to demonstrate that he's still a fiscal conservative. I mean, th- this budget, I did some calculations and they're in my column that I did for the Alaska landmine last Friday. Um, but this budget is, uh, you got to look at, you got to look at two budgets. You got to look at FY 22 uh, and what they did to this, um, what they did on the supplemental to FY 22 uh, and FY and then FY 23, the FY 22 budget uh, was increased by 25%. Um, it was increased by a billion dollars, uh, well, a little bit less than 25%, but it increased by a billion dollars from where FY22, from where the FY22 budget was left just a year ago. So, so get this in mind, FY22, in the legislative session of, of 21, uh, spring of 21, they pass a budget of about $4.6 billion. They come back this year, a year later, and they add a billion dollars to that budget alone, <laughs> a budget that the year before they'd said a year fiscal year, if they said the year before was fine at four point six billion dollars. They come back and they pile on a billion dollars uh, on that uh, on that budget alone. And then the FY23 budget uh, is is even higher than that. The FY23 budget is is around twenty five percent. I think the FY22 budget is like twenty two percent. And the FY23 budget is 25% um, in, uh, increase. The FY23 budget is, F, is a 25% increase over the five-year average uh, of the uh, of the preceding years. Those are huge increases. Huge. Um, I mean, and, it's a billion for, dollars. I mean, it's, it's a billion dollars over last year's. That's huge when you're adding a billion dollars to the already settled budget. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, yeah. You you leave you leave Juno and you say okay four point six that's about the right number for F, for fiscal year twenty two you come back a year later and just because some spare money is sitting around you go oh well wait wait you know, we, we were wrong that was it wasn't four point six it's only five point six that's the right number for for FY twenty two and then and then you layer on FY twenty three uh, on top of that so that's a that's a twenty five percent increase um, uh, you combine the two years take that against the average of the, of the prior five years that's a twenty five percent increase. Um, in spending. Now, the thing, so, so that's unsustainable, right? We can't, we can't continue at these five plus billion dollar levels, even if oil stayed 
at the at the price levels that are currently projected in the futures market, we can't stay at that level. So that doesn't satisfy the definition of sustainability. What I'm concerned about is even if you strip out all of the one-time items uh, in the budget, I'm still doing the calculations on this, but if you still strip out all the one-time items in the budget, I think we're still uh, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $4.8, $4.9 billion on a long-term basis. And we can't sustain that when you right. look at the when you look at the at the current prices in the futures market. So I don't know, I don't know what the governor, I don't know what the, what the governor has in mind when he says this is about the spending that Alaskans want, Alaskans want. This is, you know, this is this is a, a, a satisfactory budget. Um, I mean, he's clearly signaling he's not going to be uh, vetoing much. I don't know what he has in mind uh, about about what you know what he's saying about the budget. It's not sustainable on a if you look at this budget and you would just assume, and you just take this number and go forward with it, it's not sustainable on that basis. Even if you strip out all the one-time items and get down to what the continuing impact is, I don't think it's sustainable on that basis. So I don't know, I don't know what, he's, what, he, what, what he has in mind. Um, and, and frankly, you know, if, if that's where he goes, if he doesn't veto, uh, I think he's just given Charlie Pierce a, uh, a campaign issue that, uh, that, that Pierce is going to run all day long on. I mean, yeah, no. It, it 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 is it is fiscally irresponsible to 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 say that that this is a budget that we can continue to live on. This is a budget that uh, that that we want, and I, I I it's not a budget we can pay for. So right, I, I don't know I don't know where he's going with that. Well, and interestingly enough, something that Don Ardwin brings up in the chat room, which I hadn't even considered, is the time factor here. The supplemental budget uh, over a billion dollars. It's basically one billion dollars for a month because this is last. This is this last fiscal. We're in the last waning month, uh, or you know, month six weeks of the thing. Do they have to go back and spend it all, or encumber all that money and do all that? I mean, there's a time factor here as well that makes it kind of ridiculous. Unless it's money that's already been expended, in which case you'd say, who gave the authority to expend a billion dollars more than the budget called for? No, it's not really that. I mean, a, a bunch of it is stuffing is stuffing money into. Uh, into various uh, uh, quasi savings accounts. So, for example, there's a bunch of money that's going into the oil and gas tax credit. Uh, that is that is in part to cover the FY22 tax credits uh, as they as they come out of uh, as they as we deal with higher oil prices. Some of it is sort of forward funding of oil and gas tax credits, and there's several things like that. And capital authorizations, I mean, a bunch of it is capital. Capital authorizations are authorized in one year, but they can be spent up to five years uh, uh, and, and renewed after that. They can right. be spent up to five years uh, after that. So, yeah, it, it sort of, if it were operating, if it were if it were all in the operating agencies, then you'd say, oh, my gosh, you know, they're going to have to flood the flood flood a bunch of money out there. But that's not really what's going on. Right. The way that uh, this is socking more money away in the designated accounts instead of the dedicated funds accounts kind of thing that we're talking about. Um, you know, this is, I don't know why I'm surprised, Brad, but I continually am disappointed with the direction the governor has taken since 2019. Um, you know, he came out strong and he took his licks and we understand that it was probably very painful for him personally and professionally to have the whole, what seemed like the whole world, um, 
you know, come down on him for these apocalyptic and draconian cut, which was only what seven, six percent, seven percent of the overall budget. You thought that they basically had been, you know, sacrificing children in the street or something, um, which ended up, of course, not even being a cut at all. It was actually we actually spent more than the proposed budget when it was all said and done. Um, but I understand taking a look, but this is just disappointing when he looks straight in the camera and says, this is the kind of budget Alaskans have come to expect. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't expect a budget to be larger. I didn't expect a billion additional dollars to go into last year's budget. It's unsustainable, period. Yeah, and, and I think it provides some good opportunities. I mean, we still have the $600,000 for the for the damn diving boards, the Diamond High School diving boards in this budget. There are things in this budget that you can go in, you can say, look, you know, the, 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 we, we shouldn't be spending on money money on this. We should either be, you know, saving it or we should be, you know, putting it in the PFD. I mean, the PFD, the PFD is still cut uh, over these two years. The PFD, it doesn't even reach, when you look at it over the two years, which is really what you need to do with this budget because they put so much back in FY 2022. When you look at it over the two years, the PFD doesn't e- doesn't even equal POMV 50-50. I mean, it, 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 it's a little bit above that for FY23, but it's way below that for FY22. They didn't put any money back into the FY22 PFD. Right. So so you've got you've got a budget that a two-year budget that is still short, even on the governor's own compromise of POMV 50-50. Um, and, and you're spending, and you're spending things like, you know, $600,000 for the diamond high school diving boards. It's, right. He's got things in there that he ought to be targeting and say, and say, look, you know, th- th- this is not the time to be, to be spending on these things. Yes. Oil's up, but you know, the futures market tells us oil is going to go back down. We haven't met our, our obligations to Alaskans in terms of the PFD, uh, and 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 veto some stuff in there, but right, you know the 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 pushback I get on that is 2019 scar the experience of 2019 scarred the governor. He's not going to go down the road of of cutting things. He's going to sort of let the legislature dictate um, uh, spending levels, and uh, and you know and he's going to say things like this is the budget that Alaskans expect. So I. I, I, I just think he's handing I, I think he's handing a campaign issue to Charlie Pierce that, uh, that, that and, Charlie's going to continue to drive home and drive home. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, final thought on this. Um, how much do you think he's going to cut? I mean, we've got forward funding for schools. We've got the diving boards. We've got all these other kind of things. What do you, is, is there going to be anything substantive in your mind? Oh, forward funding for schools really doesn't. I mean, it, he could veto that, but it's just going to upset the NEA or the, the K through 12 education complex. And I, I don't think it really gains him uh, all that much. I, he's, he really needs to go into the capital budget and into the operating budget uh, stuff that's, that's, that's being added over the long term and, uh, yeah. and find some things there. All right. Well, let's move on to number two uh, of our weekly top three, the number two discussion. And that is the, uh, you know, this reasonableness question, this PFD, uh, you put out a story in the landmine talking about reasonable pfds and you got some pushback on twitter on this give us uh, give us your take on this we'll get started before we go to break well i've i've found very interesting uh some of the recent pushback i've got on pfd issues i write a lot about the pfd in my friday uh landmine columns and uh and increasingly i'm getting pushback and people are saying like i'm for a reasonable pfd um and in reasonable government spending 
And, you know, Keith Lee's uh, over, over, you know, overdoing it by talking about statutory PFDs or even talking about POMB 5050. And I'm beginning to get a sense, um, and, and maybe I'm the last in the world, but I'm beginning to get a sense about what people mean when they talk about reasonable PFDs. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's worth talking about here. And I think it's something that I'm going to be writing more about uh, in the landmine because it, 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 it discloses your income bracket, frankly, when, when you talk about a reasonable PFD. And I'll explain why. Uh, when we get back uh, on the other side of the break. Okay. All right. Well, we're uh, close enough to it here. We'll take it just a bit early and continue. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, it seems like Juno has an exclusive club, says David, which is the opposite of Brad's Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It's lawmakers for unsustainable budgets. So he's got an antithesis out there. Uh, we're going to continue with Brad Keithley in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure you come join us out on Facebook if you got a chance. Facebook.com/slash Michael Duke Show. We return with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. What is that? Common sense, regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Went a little bit early, so we have enough time to get to number three, which is the PICA discussion, which we've been trying to talk about for, I think this is the fourth week in a row, we've tried to get to number three, and we just couldn't couldn't pull it off, Brad. Um, oh, quick thing. I didn't, dis- I didn't announce this again this morning, but uh, yeah, it looks like I'm going to be taking Friday off. Uh, I've just made the executive decision that for my own mental health, I need to do it. Make a three-day weekend into a four-day weekend, because why not? And so uh, we're going to be doing a firearms discussion on Thursday this week because I know immediately as soon as I said it's going to be, you know, no, no no Friday show, I immediately got the pushback of, where's my firearms Friday? So we're going to do it on Thursday. We're going to make it easy. Um, all right. So, so was that a long discussion with your producer? It was a long, it was a long discussion. It was a long thought provoking discussion. I had to make some serious arguments and present my case. And then he said... <laughs> Sure, why not? Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it's good, but yeah, oh, I just come on, Michael. We all know Terry's the producer yeah, of this exactly. show. Well, I, I got to be honest. You know, usually uh, by this time, usually this time of year, I have already been to Homer twice. Um, generally speaking, by this time of year, I have not gone once this year so far. Uh, not that I'm going on Memorial Day weekend, but uh, I, I I've got some things to get done and everything else, and hopefully, uh, I've taken almost no time off in since Christmas. Um, and so the pace that I'm running, not just with the show, but, uh, of course I run two radio stations in Anchorage and I have another business and I do voice work and, you know, there's after 12 or 14 hours every day, I pretty much have got to, you know, I plop on the couch and go, well, I got to go to bed in an hour and then get back up to do it all over again tomorrow. So I, I'm, I've decided that one day off will probably not kill anybody. So it's good. Um, what do you think of this pick uh, by Dunleavy, Brad? I mean, you've been following these things for quite a while. Um, I I say uninspired. I say it doesn't move the needle at all. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm shocked that it was not a legislator. I don't know why he waited so long. But what's your take on this? Oh, I think it's I think it's safe. I think it's the I think it's I think it's representative of of, the, of this governor since 2019 when he got the pushback 
uh, on, uh, on, on spending. Everything since then has been safe. It's been the safe choice. It's been the, the pre-polled, um, you're not going to, you're not going to upset that many people if you do this, uh, choice. And I think, uh, Nancy has been low key enough. Uh, she wasn't early in her career, but I think, uh, over the last uh, decade, she's been low key enough, uh, that, uh, that I think it's the safe choice. I mean, uh, Dina Bishop would have been a, would have been a, a more inspired choice. It would have been a more, um, uh, I think, uh, uh, rousing choice. Uh, I think it would have uh, brought in some people that the governor otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Uh, but Nancy's, you know, Nancy's the safe choice. I mean, the governor, the governor's going to try to, you know, plow through based upon, um, oddly, given what happened in 2019, but he's going to try to plow through going, you know, not going to rock the boat too much. Yeah, you know, the legislature wants to spend all yeah, this but- money. I'm going to fight for your PFD, but not too hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, and I'm going to you know, sort of keep on going down that track. And I think Nancy's just, you know, in line with that. It's a safe choice. I got to I got to agree with Matt, though. You know, I mean, safe from one perspective, but I think it ensures that he loses because, again, it does not move the needle. It does nothing to inspire people who were behind him in the beginning. He has done nothing to change that perspective of the 20, you know, the change in 2019 so it does nothing. It does not move the needle. It's the safe choice from one perspective because it's unoffensive, but at the other at the other hand, he doesn't gain anything from it. So it's it's you know it, it, lukewarm at best. It's all geared, Michael. This is all geared to rank choice voting. This is, I mean, clearly the governor's going to make the top four. Um, so it's all geared to rank choice voting in the end. And and you know you think about Charlie out here on one side. Uh, you think about Walker on the other side, you think about less um, uh, on, on another side. And the question is, how does the, how does the governor position himself to come through in rank choice? And, um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, he's trying to play the middle, the middle of the fairway. He's trying to, you know, just not, not, not overswing, not, you know, run, run the risk of, of putting the ball off into the rough, you know, maybe not get 350 yards on the drive, but not put the ball over into the rough. Just keep, you know, sort of inching down the middle of the fairway. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's how they're playing ranked choice. Whether that works in the end, uh, we're up I don't a, know. We're up against time here, but I mean, real quick, I guess some people's theory is that if you shoot for number two, you have a better chance of winning in ranked choice. Is that what you're saying here? Yeah. Um, num- number two on a lot of people's ballots. So number two yeah. on Charlie Pierce's ballot, uh, uh, maybe number two on Walker's ballot. I, I just, I, yeah, yeah, I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to be safe. Disappointing. I guess it's, it's all disappointed. Uh, that is kind of where I'm at right now. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're about to rejoin the radio. Please like and share this video. If you haven't yet, please go over to my YouTube channel and subscribe on YouTube. I got to get a thousand subscribers to be able to move on to the next level over there as well. Uh, I feel like I'm leveling up, like it's some kind of quest or something. Uh, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, our guest here. We're continuing the weekly top three. We are in the middle of number two, which was a discussion on what is a uh, reasonable 
in air quotes, uh, PFD. Uh, Brad, and you say that that's all a function of where you're at and what your income is. Yeah. So I've gotten a lot of a lot of pushback recently on on PFD comments um, with with responses that go to something like this. This is what I got on Twitter the other day. Uh, I'm in favor of a reasonable PFD plus troopers, power plants, water treatment uh, is something I could get behind. Is was was one Twitter comment I got after criticizing. That was the second Twitter tweet. The first one was criticizing the article where I was arguing for a, a statutory PFD and I was calling uh, things uh, uh, levels below the statutory PFD, PFD cuts. And, and, and the response was, I'm for a reasonable PFD. And the reason I noticed this one is this got a bunch of likes on it from Andrew Halcrow, from Joel Hall, uh, from, from various people around the state, uh, all of who were sort of chiming in saying, yeah, that's a reasonable PFD. What I've come to realize uh, and maybe this is not any great revelation, but but it sort of dawned on me over time. What I've come to realize is when people say I'm in favor of a reasonable PFD, what they mean is this. They mean I'm in favor of a PFD that allows the kind of spending I want, the level of government spending I want, without me having to pay taxes. That's that's the that's the PFD, that's the PFD I want. And that's a reasonable PFD. So if you're so if you're if you're if you tend to like government and the and the person who made that tweet is a professor at UAF, if you tend to like government and tend to want government, a reasonable PFD to you is one that allows for fairly high government spending levels. Plus, since I'm in the top twenty percent, as that as that person who made the tweet was, plus if I'm in the top twenty percent, I don't want to pay taxes to support those government spending levels. Right. So, so a reasonable PFD to me is a fairly low PFD, like a 2575 PFD that leaves a lot of money for the government spending I like, uh, but, but you know, I don't have to pay taxes for it. The governor talks about a reasonable PFD. Governor Dunleavy talks about a reasonable P PFD and he talks about POMV 5050. So what he's talking about, so what that is, is a little bit lower level of government spending than the POMV 2575 people are, a little bit lower level of government spending. Uh, but again, I don't have to pay taxes. And, uh, and, and, and this whole reasonable PFD approach is being based on what level of government spending I want, personally want, um, uh, as long as I don't have to pay taxes. And you know, for those who want larger government, it's POMB twenty five seventy five. For those who are willing to put up with a re with a, a given level of government spending, about the level of government spending we've been having for the last several years, it's POMB fifty fifty because that'll sort of pay for the level of government spending I want without having taxes. Um, and that's and, and that's what those that's what they mean when they say a reasonable PFD. They're not coming at it anywhere close to to, to the way Hammond came at it which is what's a reasonable share between government and, and Alaska citizens of, of this windfall we get out of Alaska owning the mineral resource. I mean, that was Governor Hammond's approach, right? Governor Hammond's approach was we're getting this, this windfall out of, out, of, out, of, out of oil, out of oil uh, minerals, mineral royalty. We're putting that into an investment fund. That investment fund is spend, spending off money What's a reasonable share of, 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 the, of the revenues from that, from those earnings between government and Alaskans? That was Hammond's approach. And it's my approach, frankly. 
uh, as somebody who comes from the lower 48 and understands oil royalties, understands the private sector oil royalties. But, but that's not what people are, when people use the term reasonable PFD now, they're looking at it entirely from the blinders of what size government do I want? And I don't want to pay taxes. So get, what's the amount of leftover PFD after the, after, after the government I want? What's the amount of leftover PFD um, so that I don't have to pay taxes? And that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to define uh, a reasonable PFD. It's, and it, it entirely depends on two functions. One is what size government do I want? And two, I don't want to pay taxes for whatever the heck the size government it is. So what's the leftover PFD after I get that? Well, and my favorite thing on this whole thing is the, I'm going to say almost arrogance and disdain of the rest of the tweet, because he goes on to say, uh, while I agree that the poor benefit more from a larger PFD, they also benefit from investments in stuff, which is kind of this elitist, disdainful, like, oh, we'll put, leave that, let them eat cake. It also reminds me yesterday we had Spike Cohen on and he quoted Harry Brown back in the day, like, government is the one that comes in, breaks, takes all your money, breaks both your legs, buys you a pair of crutches with your money, gives them to you and says, look where you'd be without us kind of thing. I mean, the reason that many of these people need these benefits and these dependency systems that we have in place is because you continue to cut their legs out from underneath of them by taking the PFD. Yeah, it's the whole Ivy Sponholtz. I mean, we talked about this last week. It's the whole Ivy Sponholtz attitude of we know better than you do about how to spend your money. So we're going to take your money. I mean, <laughs> let's understand this. We're taking money from the poor. We're taking money from, from low income and lower income Alaska families a huge amount of money as a share of their income. We're taking money from them and telling them, don't worry about that because we're giving it back, back to you in services. The chief service of which is Medicaid and the money there doesn't go to them. It goes to the docs. It goes to the, to the medical industrial complex. So it's, it's, um, it, 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 it is, it is just uh, elitist is the right word. Um, uh, government centric is the right word. N Personal, you know, uh, recognizing that the PFD is a windfall and the question should be, how do we share that between Alaskans and, and government? None of them recognize that. It's just how much how much can we give you? How much can we bring into government and then give back to you without having taxes? Right. And again, looking at the likes on this comment, I had to laugh because you're right. It's Joel Hall. It's Andrew Halkroll. It's Scott Kendall. I mean, these are the people. These are the poster children for pro big government spend and protecting government spend against uh, you know uh, above everything else, um, and so that is exactly what we're talking about. That kind of mentality and that kind of attitude, um, and it's it's frustrating because again, every time you hear the, every time it's like reasonable. And Brad, I know this isn't your thing, but it's every time I hear the word, well, we need to talk about reasonable gun control, reasonable gun safety. Well, what's reasonable to you may not be reasonable to me, you know, kind of thing. And that's what it all comes down to. Their idea of reasonable is the smallest amount possible to keep you from squawking so the government can continue to pay. Yep. And it's just, it's completely antithetical. I mean, I've, I've, I have, I, I, I came, I come to this issue from, from years and years and years spent in dealing with lower 48 royalty issues, right? And, and lower 48 royalty issues are, the, the private landowner gets a share of the, of the mineral wealth. That's one of the benefits uh, of, of, you know, owning land that has minerals underneath it. You get a share of the benefits of the mineral wealth. And it's not, it's not determined by how much you need 
or it's not determined by how much you get, how much is left over after government takes whatever the heck it wants to take. It is your share of the mineral wealth. And, and the Alaska PFD system is Alaska's version of, of the lower 48, of the way lower 48 royalties uh, right. are done. Mineral exactly. royalties are done. It's and our it's share. share. Yeah. Of of Alaskan share of of those benefits, right? And nobody and and all of these people on this tweet, all of these uh, all of these people that talk about a reasonable PFD, they're not thinking about it that way anymore. It's it's how much how much can we give you after we've spent for government without us being taxed to to, to pay for government, right? Exactly. It's all coming out of the all coming out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. All right. Well, let's move on. We want to get to this PICA thing because we've been trying to for the last four weeks. Let's talk about what's happening with PICA uh, and what does it mean for Alaska? So PICA is, uh, for those who, who don't, it doesn't immediately come to mind, PICA is the next great prospect uh, on the North Slope. We have Prudhoe, we have Kaparik. Uh, we have Alpine. We have uh, what Conoco is doing uh, out uh, to the west of, uh, or to yeah, to the west of Kaparik. Uh, but Pika is the next big development on the slope. It is uh, developed. It was developed by Armstrong Oil Company. He sold uh, the interest to Repsol, who owns a forty nine percent. Repsol is a, a Spanish uh, oil and gas company. Uh, and Oil Search uh, owns the other uh, majority interest in it. Oil. Oh, we're losing you, Brad. <clears throat> I just uh, I just lost the audio for Brad Keithley, uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Let's see if it comes back uh, here. Looks like it's uh, it's a lockup meeting. There we go. We lost you for a second, Brad. I said after okay. after you said uh, uh, you said Repsol and then Source uh, or excuse me, you said Repsol has the minority and somebody has the majority and you got locked up there. Okay, I'm sorry. Santos has Santos now has the majority. And, and the question is, you know, is PICA going to go forward? And Santos has been saying very good things about it. Santos is the, is the majority uh, owner now. Santos has been saying good, very good things about it. But in Santos's general meeting a few weeks ago, the chairman of Santos said this, that the PICA is currently being progressed towards sanction ready by the middle of this year. That's a good thing. Value from the PICA project may be delivered through sell-down processes and or participation in project development, Spence, the chairman of Santos, told, uh, told shareholders. What that means is what, what Santos is really looking for to, to get out of PICA is to sell off a piece of it and get money in hand by selling off a piece of it. And, and the concern I have is comments like that, which I've seen before, comments like that mean we're not going to progress PICA we're not going to put the cash it takes in to develop Pika until we get a partner in here, somebody else who will share in the risk, share in the financial burden of it, and until we get, you know, some participation in it by a third party. They've had the project on the market for a long time. Oil Search had it on the market before Santos took over Oil Search, and they hadn't found any purchasers. Right, forty um, seconds. And 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 I've got you know I've got a concern that. Santos is saying very good things about Pika, as as I would if I were trying to sell it. Uh, they're saying very good things about Pika, but buried in underneath the very good things they're saying is this, but, which is, but in order to go forward, we need somebody else to come in with a bunch of money um, and buy, buy a share of our interest and provide the money to go forward uh, and develop it. And until we get that, 
Uh, we're going to keep saying good things about Pika because right, we're trying it. to sell it. But until we get that, we're not going to really go forward with the with the full Brad, uh, Pika Brad, development. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets, Hour 2, dead ahead. Sorry, Brad, we were up against the hard break there. Uh, but I mean that that's a real that's a real concern. I mean the Pika project is great. Hey, look, our project is good. It's going to provide a lot of good stuff. But we need a little cash to get things kick started, and we're waiting for somebody else to pony up the cash. So we could be in limbo. And as you said, they've had this on the market for a while, and nobody is uh, and nobody is uh, stepping up to the plate. So this could be much ado about nothing. Meaning they could be sitting on this for quite a while. Yep. Exactly right, Michael. And it's and you know and and the reason that affects Alaskans is a lot of I mean the if you look at the ten year plan or the ten year revenue forecast of, of what's you know, what's down the road in terms of Alaska part of the revenue to the state government part of it is driven by oil prices anticipation of higher oil prices uh, but a big part of it is driven by anticipation in, in in production growth and a big part of that production growth is driven by PICA so. To, to, to truly achieve, I mean, when you look at the governor's 10-year forecast, it's a, it's, a, it's a forecast of rising spending, moderate rises in spending, uh, paid for by moderate rises in, uh, in revenue, driven by oil prices and driven by production. If we don't have that production growth, um, then the 10-year forecast looks a lot worse uh, than, what he's, uh, than what the administration has out there right now. And so following PICA, I mean, uh, the development of PICA is a big part of, of keeping Alaska on, on track uh, for the sort of revenue growth that, that pays for the type of government uh, uh, that, uh, that, the, that the governor has, uh, has put out there. And I, and, and I just, I, I'm concerned that we're not fully understanding what's going on with PICA. And, and I'm concerned that we're gonna you know, wake up one day, oil search is never gonna have found a, a, an alternate purchaser they're not prepared to go forward with their funding. It's not in their core area. Their core area is Australia and uh, and the, the, uh, the, the, the that part of Asia. Uh, All search isn't prepared to go forward with it, and Pika just sort of sits there uh, without uh, without uh, going forward in terms of development. Well, we'll have to see what, how it all plays out. And of course, what we really need here is we need some leadership in this state, and unfortunately, we haven't really been receiving it, and that's uh, that's part of the part of the overall problem. Uh, final thoughts here, Brad. We got about two minutes here before I gotta gotta run from you. Um, final thoughts here on the end of the session, where we're going, the budgets, and what does it mean for this next election cycle here that we're in right now with all the all the big races that are about to come down. Well, I'm concerned that uh, that we that this budget leaves us uh, headed toward another fiscal cliff that uh, we haven't got spending under control. The past decade of, of the lessons that we that we we're continually reminded of that we have limited resources. We need to limit our spending as a result of that. Those have all sorts of gone out. Those have all sort of gone out the window. I'm concerned that we've reset the platform for spending going forward at a higher level than, than where we had it. Not only have we spent more this year in terms of capital budget in terms of stuffing various accounts, uh, but we've reset sort of the platform and the operating budget and other ongoing expenses at a higher level. And I think we've got a governor who's just going to go along with that um, and, uh, and and let that play out. And I and and I'm concerned about where that plays out. I mean, he's trying to fund part of it by cutting down to POMB 5050. Uh, that's dependent on oil prices. It's dependent on oil production. If neither of those play out, uh, then then you know we've got a governor who's indicated that he has 
what I what some used to call in the corporate world round heels, which means he'll back up, he'll right, he'll he'll, he'll give way, um, and uh, and and maybe this is a governor who says, ah, I tried for POMB fifty fifty, but you know I didn't get there, um, and so you know maybe POMB twenty five seventy five, maybe that's the right landing spot. I'm concerned that we've lost track on on drawing a line under spending, saying no more, uh, and drawing a line under the PFD and saying no more compromises. I'm, I'm concerned that we're just we're wandering away from that. Well, and I, and I think you make a I think you make a valid point that as he does these things and as it be, as he stays more in the middle and remains lukewarm, that uh, it does open up the possibility for somebody like Charlie Pierce, who was kind of an outsider to begin with, but more and more is starting to look like the conservative choice of all the choices that are up there uh, on the on the real ballot. I mean, uh, you know, what what do you? You, you're going to give me some Vegas odds on what you think is going to happen with uh, between that. I mean, you've got the two, you know, you got the two progressive candidates. You've got the real progressive Les Guerra and the quasi wishy-washy Bill Walker, and then you've got Mike Dunleavy and Les Guerra. There are other people in the race, but let's face it: uh, of the four, those I think are the four that are going to end up on the ballot uh, in the ranking when it's all said and done. You want to give me some odds? Well, uh, no, I don't want to give you odds because I, I don't have a good feel for it right now. But I think, I think that uh, I think that Dunleavy's playing it. I will say this: I think Dunleavy's playing it too cautious. I think he's sort of lost his edge as as the guy who's going to drive the state fiscal policy, drive the state toward a, a a more secure future. I think he's lost his edge on that. Um, I think I think he's giving Charlie just sort of stood there, right? And I think Dunleavy moved away. From being from being that 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 caught that that fiscal conservative, um, and I think he's sort of given that to, to Charlie. Now, does Charlie translate that into fifty one percent of votes after ranked choice? Uh, I don't know. Or does Dunleavy trans uh, translate his into fifty one percent after ranked choice? I don't know. But it's but but Dunleavy is Dunleavy is giving up. I think on being the fiscal conservative he ran on in twenty eighteen. I think he's just trying to you know position himself now as the cautious choice is that as the careful choice is the, the safe is the choice. middle of yeah. the road choice the safe choice there yeah you go. yeah well um and unfortunately i don't think that's what people want uh i think i think we're sick and tired of the safe choice because the safe choice keeps taking us down the road uh to where we don't want to be brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets thank you my friend for coming on board we appreciate it as always michael as always thanks for having me all right good to hear from you we will talk with you again next week folks we're coming up on it We've got uh, Hour 2 is Dead Ahead, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share this video here on Facebook. Also, go over to YouTube, hit subscribe, ring the bell. I need to hit 1,000 subscribers to make the next move, uh, and I need your help to do it. So if you haven't done that yet, please go ahead and jump into it. Here we go. Hour 2, Dead Ahead, the Michael Duke Show. I'm going to post a link up to YouTube here in the chat right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS.
It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com, where you'll find the podcast, all the links to my social media, and uh, everything else. And, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, or one of the only radio show hosts in Alaska broadcasting about Alaska who actually lives in Alaska. Oh, I know. Shots fired. Shots fired. That was not that was not nice, but it's what happens. You got to live here to understand really what's going on, in my opinion. Welcome to the program, and thanks for coming in and joining us. Uh, it is hour two of the big radio broadcast, and we are expecting a conversation to take place here in about 15 minutes or so with our friend Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in and give us our weekly life coaching lesson, and we uh, we look forward to that here coming up here in just a bit. So uh, we're going to talk with uh, him and get uh, and get that positivity update that we need so badly each and every week. Meanwhile, uh, I am going to open up the phone lines here in the first segment, just in case there's somebody out there that wants to sound off on an issue that we've discussed so far this morning. The Pivotel calling lines are now open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. I'm going to revert here, though, real quick and go back and talk just a bit about the governor's choice for lieutenant governor. And we had this uh, discussion, and we talked actually with Brad during the break on his take uh, on the governor's choice as well. And um, I think I'm I'm in agreement with Brad that this is really the safe choice, that Dunleavy has lost his will to, to, to fight the good fight. He has lost the fire in the belly that we saw when he ran for uh, election to begin with. This idea that the fighting for the permanent fund for a full PFD, for a full statutory PFD, and for even even fighting for some of the payback, uh, from some of the back pay of PFDs that had been withheld and were still in the earnings reserve account, that was a valiant effort. That's a that was a that was a righteous fight, and the governor has since backed off of that. We saw that with the fifty fifty uh, uh, p uh, p uh, uh, pomv move. The at what was it S uh, SB uh, SBR six or SBJ six whatever it was, and um, and and I think that this this uh, uh, this tapping of Nancy Dahlstrom as his running mate is just that it is the safe bet. He does not want to rock the boat anymore. I mean, you know, he put out this radical, and I'm using the I guess maybe I should a radical budget in 2019 that cut a whopping 7% off the overall budget. Now, in a time when we were in fiscal crisis and everything else, but that 7%, my God, I, it was, again, words that flew across the pages of the of the, the, the newspapers in Alaska, you know, words like apocalyptic and draconian and you know, this is like, again, people will be dying in the str- – I mean, you, you would have thought that he was out there sacrificing puppies uh, on the corner of First and Main, you know, in every city. Uh, that's how evil he was for daring to cut the uh, the state budget 
uh, in this, uh, you know, in, in that time. And of course, it immediately drew that reaction. It started the recall. It did so many other things. And essentially, uh, Dunleavy got his hand slapped in in a big way. Now, nothing ever came of the recall in the long run, partially, I think, due to the pandemic and some other things. But the bottom line is that the governor had an opportunity to continue to hold that full court press against everything that was going on. And he failed to do so. He decided not to do it. He decided to, again, play it safe, to produce budgets from then on that were in line with what was going on and everything else. And now we see this, uh, we see already see the moves that he's making uh, on the fact that, well, this is the budget that the governor, you know, this is the, the budget that the people expect kind of thing. Again, setting, setting, the, setting this, uh, the stage for him to really not make much in the way of cuts or vetoes in the coming days. And I think that that is, I, I think that is uh, a big problem. I think that that is a huge problem for him. He's lost his base. I mean, many people that I have talked to, many, many, in fact, the vast majority of people that I've talked to who were supporters of Governor Dunleavy in his first election are now all disgruntled, disillusioned, and upset by his behavior since. And he has, you know, I mean, and the fact now that he won't, um, you know, he won't come out and talk to Alaskans directly. We've offered him time on this show anytime that he wants. We've, you know, attempted to get him on the program. And it's like, it's a Herculean effort to get him to appear on the program for nine minutes to be, you know, on a pre-approved topic that his people wanted to choose or talk about on the one program that he wanted to discuss, and then he's gone and, and you know, not to return. Because it's hard. It's hard to answer for the things you've done. It's hard to explain to people why you've done things when you really don't have a good, uh, when you really don't have a good, uh, uh, you know, answer for what's happening. It's, it's frustrating. It's absolutely frustrating. But I think it's also one of the reasons like uh, why people like Charlie Pierce are looking more and more like a good choice in this election. Now, does Charlie have the name recognition outside of the peninsula to fight against names like Walker and Guerra and others? Possibly. Um, I'm going to predict right now that I think that the top four, uh, top four uh, in the uh, you know after the primary are going to be Dunleavy and Pierce and Guerra and Walker. How does that work out? I don't know yet. But I do know that we're going to, we're going to be looking for somebody who's not too afraid to take a stand. And as we saw with what happened uh, during the pandemic there, Charlie was the first elected official to basically stand up in front of media and everybody else and say, we're open for business. Come on down. We'll, we'll do it right, but we're open for business because we all got to live. And uh, I hope that that resonates with people. But um, I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens here. Let's uh, go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say. 433-3150, we go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Ray from North Pole. Morning, Ray. Morning. See, uh, Brad Kingsley sounds like he drank the Kool-Aid, and he's, uh, I'm, I'm wondering what side of the fence he's on now. For what? Uh, 70% of 70% of Alaskans 
We want to see government cut down to its toenails. We want our full permanent fund. We want no income tax, no property tax, no sales tax, and uh, get government off our backs. And Charlie Pierce, you know, is that the best we can come up with? I mean, I haven't heard him speak one time on your show where he hasn't put his foot in his mouth. And uh, I went down to Kenai just to see him, to ask him some questions. And uh, nobody heard of him. Couldn't find his office. I went to Kenai. I went to Seward. I went to uh, Homer and Soldatna and visited old-time Fairbanks's and uh, met a lot of their neighbors and uh, talked with people. And, uh, you know, he made a comment against miners one time. He made another comment against the permanent fund another time. And I'd like to know what his experience in Alaska is. I mean, he's been uh, in the military. What did he do in the military? Was he uh, working in the commissary or changing light bulbs on the runway? What did he do? And uh, all he's done since he got out is government service. He's been on the government dole. <laughs> I mean, where in Alaska except, has except, he been? Except, been old crow, except Ray. Except Ray. That's none of that's true. Okay, Ray. None of that's true. Uh, he was an executive at NSTAR for nearly 20 years. He's uh, he's worked in the private sector, uh, building Alaska, and he's got an office down. He is the mayor of the Kenai Peninsula Borough. If you can't find his office, it's because you weren't looking very hard. He answered the question when you you called because you commented on the whole mining question a, a couple three four weeks ago, and he called into the program to clarify what he was saying. And it just sounds like you don't you got a bone to pick. And you don't want to hear what he's saying on it, which is your right to do. But your choice is, at this point, Dunleavy, Kirka, or uh, uh, a Pierce. Or maybe you could throw your hat in the ring. June the 1st is just around the corner, Ray. You can, uh, you can, you know, you can talk about all that and, and, and do what you want to do. You could throw your hat in the ring and see what you want to say. Um, let's go over here to the other, uh, other phone call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Hello, Randy. What's on your mind? Well, I just want to say I really do appreciate what Governor Dunleavy did as far as standing up against the Biden administration on the vaccine mandates. I really do appreciate that. But what I was actually calling about was the 4th Avenue Theater in Anchorage. I looked in the Anchorage Daily News yesterday, May 23rd, Monday, and I saw two letters to the editor, one titled, Losing the Theater, and the other one saying, Bye-bye to the Theater. Both writers were lamenting the loss of the 4th Avenue Theater. Now, I haven't been to Anchorage in, in eight years, except through once through the airport there, but uh, I, I wish that could be saved. This one letter writer wrote, it said, she, uh, he said, Now we will have a hole where the theater used to be, and who knows when its alleged replacement will be built. If the people of Anchorage would have passed the bond to save the theater many years ago, or the city of Anchorage would have purchased the theater when it had the chance, we would not be in this position. Anchorage will rue the day it let the 4th Avenue Theater be demolished. And and uh, I haven't followed what's been going on there, but, you know, it's a beautiful, one-of-a-kind historical building. Is there any way we can save that? I don't think so, Randy. I mean, that building has been empty for years. It's got major problems. It's... Uh, uh, it's basically been taking up a you know the, that whole city block there for uh, a lot of time, and nobody has come forward to do it. I don't think it's government's business to go in there and purchase a building 
uh, simply because somebody has nostalgic feelings for it. I mean, it, it is a beautiful building. It's an Art Deco building, and it's got a lot of great things uh, that, uh, you know, that, that in the past that can attribute to it. But I just, I mean, it's, you know, there comes a time when change has to happen. And I know people are hesitant and, they're, and they are uh, resistive to change, uh, but they've got a new plan. They've got a new building that, that uh, would service the downtown area there. Uh, with that, and they're you know they're working to move that forward. Nobody else has come up. I mean, like you said, do we not do we want a bond for it? Does everybody have to pay for it because somebody's got some um, you know again nostalgic feelings for it? I think this is just part of progress, and uh, you know that that I mean it would take millions of dollars to bring that building up to the place where it was actually habitable uh, at this point, and probably much more than it would cost to just tear it down and start fresh with a new building. Oh, I see. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I know you live down there and know more about it than I do. But same thing goes with the Nenana boat steam wheeler here at the uh, Alaska land. I sure hope they save that. Anyway. All right. Thanks. Well, thank you, Randy. Appreciate your call. Thanks for coming in and joining us this morning. All right, Chris Story. He's going to be in the wings here in just a moment. We're going to get things uh, ready to rock and roll. It is time to uh, take a break. We're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook this morning. Oh, also, um, you can check us out uh, on YouTube. I'm looking to get, uh, I got, I don't know, three, three and a half, four thousand people on my Facebook page, but I need a thousand subscribers to YouTube so that we can... uh, take that thing to the next level so if you haven't gone out yet go out to youtube and search up my name michael duke show and uh you could find us there and just uh subscribe and ring the bell there if you do it for me i appreciate it we're gonna be back with more the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, We're in the break uh, this morning. Go back up here to see what you guys have been talking about here while I've been dealing with all this. Um, where's Main Street in Fairbanks? Did they remove the street sign? It was, I mean, I was basically saying, never mind. You guys take things so literally sometimes. You know, I, when I said that the governor was down sacrificing puppies on the corner of First and Main, I meant, you know, any town Alaska, right? That's what I meant. <clears throat> but you guys are so literal this morning. So, so literal. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm scrolling through here. Um, he failed when he didn't force his will with a special session in Wasilla. The governor failed when he, and I agree with that. He's rolled over on him and wet on himself several times. That was one of them. Reopening the call was another. He didn't have to do that. Um, Perhaps you could give the theater your PFD and save it, Randy. That's a, I mean, you know, he could. Um, 
The governor's yellow stripe showed when he didn't have the legislators arrested when he called the special session in Wasilla downhill slide since then. Yeah, I mean, that was really that that was the major turning point when the governor did not. He had the opportunity. He called it. He had the law on his side. And uh, I mean, it was a game of Mexican standoff or a game of chicken. And, um, you know, he he blinked. He blinked. That's what that's what happened there. Um, let's see. Uh, I live in Kenai. Uh, uh, hum, says Jill. Uh, talking about Ray's call. I live in Kenai and we love Charlie Pierce here. Jerry says this guy is full of it. Jill says this guy is delusional. Charlie is awesome. Ray is full of BS. It's great. I think Ray's got some kind of axe to grain with Charlie. I don't know why, but apparently that's his, uh, that's his big thing. Uh, too bad Randy didn't save uh, the theater. Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. Um, Harold says, oh, stop sticking up for candidates. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Get your own radio show and you could stop sticking up for anybody you want. That's how it works around here. Um, uh, who is they? If you want to save something, find it through private partners. Get government-dependent thinking out of the equation like that, says Herder. Exactly. I mean, do we need to get a bond? Do we need to create a bond or have the city buy buildings that are historically important? I mean, historically, I mean, it, you know, historically important. I don't know. Um, the governor's press conference was a joke, says Julie. Well, he basically uh, laid out his plan for the vetoes there. Right? He laid out his plan for the vetoes, which means I don't think you're going to see much in the way of vetoes because he said, oh, this is the budget that the citizens expect. So I don't think I'm going to do anything about it. I think I'm going to just, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Well, thank you, Governor. Thanks for thanks for nothing, man. Uh, all right. We're about 90 seconds out right now, and I believe that we've got uh, the guru of positivity on the line. Let's check it out. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer. Hello, sir. Was that your, your impression of Governor Dunleavy? Was it the best impression you could do? That was the best impression I could do at the moment. That's right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, hey, so uh, the three Ps to wealth, right? Three Ps of investing to win in any market, any time, or three Ps of wealth. Michael, you're, you're the master you know, showman. So, yeah, let's go with yours. Three Ps of wealth. The three P's of wealth. And we're not talking about the government PPP program, right? I hope. I mean, I hope that's not your key oh, to wealth. I like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. That's it. You good like play. it? Uh-huh. Yeah. That story guy, yeah. he's all about the government dole. I mean, he's the Always. the three PPP for, for wealth. It's the PPP program. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into this and uh, and dive in. Hold the line, my friend. Chris Story, the man from Homer, joins us here in the next segment. We're ready to go. Please like and share, like and follow. Don't forget to uh, go over onto the YouTube page and subscribe and ring the bell. Like I said, I'm trying to get a thousand, a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I got 3,500 on Facebook. If a third of you went over there and did that, that would help. But we'll see what happens. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
All right. Uh, we're all ready here. We're all ready already. We're uh, diving into it. It is our weekly life coaching lesson with the guru of positivity. I mean, this guy is like uh, he's the positive mental attitude guy. He's the, my life coach. He's the man, the myth, the legend in his own mind. Chris Story. Hello, my friend. How are you? What an amazing buildup, Michael. I'm fantastic. Thanks right. for asking. Hey, well, you know, it's all good today, my friend. You're going to talk to us about P. I mean, the three Ps. The three Ps of wealth. It's got to be the three Ps of, uh, which I just said during the break, is not going to be uh, is not going to be the PPP program from the government. That's not the way to wealth. You've got your own program. So tell us, uh, tell us all about it. What's going on? Yeah, thank goodness I'm not too big to fail. They'll still let me fail. Yeah, and you didn't. Uh, hey, you didn't build that, so just be aware of that. I'm just saying right. right now. Well, this is from the the, the files of the backyard millionaire because this question comes up a lot, especially right now. Can you create wealth in a seller's market? The thesis of the backyard millionaire is that anyone you can create wealth where you are with what you've got. Meaning, you don't need to go get a degree. You don't need to have an uh, exorbitant amount of startup capital. You don't need to have any capital. Whatever you've got is the place, and this is the time and the place for you to start creating wealth through real estate investing. So in a seller's market, can you still do that? And I've been asked this question numerous times, and so I decided to create a little one sheet around it. And I'm like, okay, yes, here's here's how. And, and I'm not being you know, tongue-in-cheek with this in any respect. I'm literally saying... In a seller's market, these three things are fundamentally important to the investor, but the secret really is they're important in any market. So it could be where things are sitting on the market for 180, 300 days waiting for a buyer to come along, or in this market where you hear about your neighbor's home that sold in an hour and a half, and oh, and they got 10% over asking or whatever percent over asking. Right, so right, right. as an investor... You have to look at these things, rising interest rates, uh, pretty high pricing, and a seller's market, meaning there are more dollars chasing the properties than there are properties available. We have more buyers than we have sellers. Okay, this is quantifiably a seller's market. So how do you succeed and how do you invest? You start with the first P as in preparation. And preparation is all about your mindset. Jim Rohn famously said in the 80s, if I hand you a million dollars, you better hurry up and become a millionaire, meaning you better adopt the mindset of a millionaire, somebody that would be able to keep and maintain that money. Because so often people have a thermostat set within their own life that they're only comfortable with a certain amount of money. and They'll do almost anything to dispose of it quickly. I uh, read about a woman who had uh, inherited a you know, a, a decent amount of money from a family member, but she couldn't rest. She just, it bothered her in the bank. It bothered her uh, just sitting around. So she wanted to just get rid of it as quickly as she could. She bought a, a lemon of a vehicle. And of course she was back to square one, back to her thermostat. So preparation, your mindset, that means also checking your credit, checking in with a mortgage uh, lender and saying, Hey, how is my credit? What would my credit need to be to get a preferred interest rate, because right now as interest rates are rising, your credit score is, if your credit score drops, your interest rate is going to go even higher than what you might see on TV or here on the radio. So you need to have the best credit you can. That's part of preparation. And cash reserves, 
never hurts to start setting aside a tenth of your income or some amount of your income and put it into an investment account. Set it, forget it, don't touch it until the day you're ready to make that investment. You may not need it, may, may be able to find you a zero down deal, happens every day, but you still want that capital over there just in case you need to, to use it. You want to have some reserves that'll make you feel stronger uh, as you head into an investment. And it's understanding the market. That fits under the P of preparation. Understanding where the market's been is just as important to understand where it is today, because then you can prognosticate as to where it might be in five or 10 years. Wayne Gretzky said, "Don't he doesn't skate to where the puck is, he skates to where it's going. That's all part of the mindset right. of an investor. And if you don't have that preparation piece done in advance, you may not understand the score you could have in front of you or the ability to hit that puck into the net right now. And so preparation is the first key, the first P to being able to invest and win in any market. And that preparation also, of course, includes a little bit of education. You know, maybe you get a book like The Backyard Millionaire. Uh, or maybe the buy and hold real estate strategy, or you know, you you educate yourself in the the ver- the vagaries of of what you're doing in the market, and and you know, it's all part and parcel of that preparation. Absolutely, in relationships, you know, you, you think in terms of people that have been there and done it, people that have done what you wish to do. They're out there, and they love nothing more than to share their knowledge. Most people, people that are successful, I have found when you ask, are willing to share and help educate you. Agreed on the books. Definitely, um, of course, love The Backyard Millionaire, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And Robert's gone through all kinds of iterations in his 25-whatever-year career of publishing, and now he's pitching gold and silver, who knows what. But it doesn't matter. That book is is an understanding. It's sort of a base understanding of wealth and of money and how rich people use their money and have a mindset that's different. So you're absolutely right. Education is a huge piece of the preparation. And the second P to creating wealth in any market, anytime is patience. Don't overreact and certainly don't overreach. Be patient and look for the right circumstances. And if you can't find them, create them. And that goes back to your preparation and relationships and education. So be patient and do not rush into a deal. There's, there's not to say that you don't, you know, fire when ready, but at the same time, if you rush, you might miss some signals in the market or you might miss something in a due diligence period or somehow that you end up regretting. So you want to be patient and not in a rush because wealth in real estate is made over time. It's rarely made, you know, in a short span of time. It can be, but that's a whole different topic and that's a whole different person. I don't advise on, on short term gains. I'm looking for the long-term capital gains for your future to retire as and with millions of dollars. Right. Not a get-rich-quick scheme by any strange stretch of the imagination. And this actually even goes back to somebody who's just buying a house or a property. Don't fall in love with something uh, and and make a foolish mistake just because you love the property. You have to be patient to make sure that everything else has fallen in line. And, and to your point about not getting rich quick, I, I love the idea of thinking about writing a book called get, How to Get Rich Slowly, because it is so important to, to be patient. I, I know uh, a property that Tiffany and I were able to acquire in 2020, we had first wanted, probably 10 years prior, had made my first inquiry on that property, and just kind of kept doggedly, just every now and then, raising my hand, saying, hey, I'm interested. If you're ready, when you're ready, I'm interested. And out of the blue, 
they approached us and said, okay, we're ready. And I, great. Of course, that was the year of the pandemic. We put everything on hold for about mm, 45 days, came back together and said, you know what? Yeah, let's move forward with it. So grateful we did that. But that was also speaking to patients because we didn't know what the world was going to look like. We paused for just a minute and I'm glad we did, but I'm more grateful that we didn't miss that opportunity because it's been a real blessing. And the third P is persistence. So we're prepared, we're patient, but we persist. And to quote Ogmandino, persist until you win. If you miss a deal today, no problem. There'll be another one tomorrow. Carry on. Recently, Tiffany and I missed three deals that we thought we really wanted. One, we had negotiated price terms. We had everything laid out. We thought we really had the deal of the century, the deal of the decade anyway, uh, for terms. In fact, this is interesting because the price wasn't our preferred price, but we've got terms such that we were willing to pay that price. And so we thought this was perfect, snatched away from us. Uh, and that happened on two more occasions. Guess what? We're still looking. We're still in the arena. We're still on the hunt. And for us, it's a game. And I don't mean to say that we take it lightly, but I mean to say is we enjoy it. It's a process and it's, it's part, it's, um, you know, equity is a way of essentially keeping score. It's not something that we do because we have to, we do it because we love it and we really enjoy it. And so, oh, we missed these three? No problem. We're still looking and we will be persistent and probably will never stop. So preparations, patience, and persistence, all three of those things will help you yes. gain wealth in uh, in investment real estate and but really I mean these are three principles that could be applied to almost anything not just real estate yeah I agree I agree and and not just in a seller's market I want to make that clear I'm saying because I'm answering the question that's asked of me can you create wealth in a seller's market the answer is yes here's how but you're to your point can you create wealth in a uh, bottomed out market in a crash in a recession. What about an inflationary period of time? Oh, gee, that's where we are today. Yes, absolutely. What if we're, um, you know, in the midst of uh, another pandemic? Let's say monkeypox takes <laughs> over. Yes, we will be able to use these principles to still grow and keep your wealth and also keep your wits about you. If you are, especially if you're patient and prepared and you're willing to persist. Miles Davis said, if you hit the wrong note, it's the next note that will determine whether it was good or bad. Of course, he was a jazz, um, you know, what would you call that? Um, just very in inspirational. What would he? Uh, Savant. Freeform, <laughs> you know, without really any, any particular, very, um, the word's escaping me. Uh, improv, improvisational player. So one note might, oh, that's wrong. No problem. He would riff off of it into the next note, which might have sounded beautiful together. So if you miss something, you can improvisationally get to the next note simply by making the next right move. So I, I'm really excited about the next 10 years of real estate in America. I'm hoping that we can see a stabilization of interest rates. I hope we can stop printing trillions of dollars to knee-jerk react to things such that we create this artificial um, artificial inflation and artificial uh, valuations, but also artificially low interest rates, which, hey, low interest rates are great, but if they're, if they're created through the printing of monies of which we do not have and it causes the country to go into further debt, 
Not in favor of that. I would much rather right. have a stable interest rate that is market-driven. Well, so I, I'm excited and bullish on the next 10 years. That's part of the problem. As soon as the government gets involved they, you know, in a free market, it's no longer tr- technically a free market because they're picking winners and losers, and it makes it a lot more difficult for the market to react properly to it. So that's, that's all part and parcel of the same problem. Um, the name of his book, if you haven't uh, heard it already, is called The Backyard Millionaire. Uh, Chris has got several books, but that's the one specifically dealing with real estate. And, um, and I think that it is a fascinating read. Um, and, uh, and I think it has inspired me to make some choices in my life uh, in regards to that. And I've got some goals uh, related to that. Uh, so I think it's a good jumping off point. I mean, not to be too self-gratuitous here, Chris, but I think it's a good jumping off point for people to get started on if they've never considered uh, investment real estate as a way to grow their wealth and their fiscal security for the long term. Um, but I think it's a good start. I think it's a good starting point. Thank you. I thank you very much for saying that. I do too. And I, you mentioned the word goals. One time, um, probably about 15, maybe 17 years ago, I set a goal to, I had read a book on buying property with zero down, no money down. And I set a goal for that year, I was going to buy two properties with no money down. And the great news was I had no plan. I had no idea of how to do it other than what I had read, um, which could have seemed fanciful or maybe not realistic for where I was, but I decided to do it anyway. And I started sharing that goal with people. And lo and behold, Two different people on two different occasions said, oh, I heard you mention that you, you were looking for, I tell you what, I'll do that with you. How about this cabin out here on this few lot? Or, or how about this commercial lot over here? It's like, wow. So I say, have a goal, be prepared, be patient and persistent. And to your earlier point, Michael, get educated, read books. I would love for you to read The Backyard Millionaire or listen to it as read and performed by Michael Dukes. Uh, pick up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Richest Man in Babylon, Buy and Hold Strategy by David Schumacher. There's a tremendous number of books that you can use in that preparation time and just be ready to you know, hit the ball when it's over the plate. Chris Story is uh, the guru from Homer. He is uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for uh, coming on uh, board and, uh, you know, Giving us the giving us the rundown on uh, how to you know succeed in real estate, but as I said before, I think not just in real estate in all things. I think that this uh, this could be applied to many different situations. The three P's of preparation, uh, patience, and persistence. I think that that's uh, I think that's a good take. So I appreciate you coming on board and sharing with us. Thanks for being part of it today. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day. It's always good to talk with you. Thank you for coming on board. All right. One final segment. One final segment of the show. All you got to do is uh, give us a call if you'd like to participate. Just go to uh, just go to 433-3150. 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show continues. We're going to open up the phone lines for your calls. Up next, right here on your home for Common Sense, Liberty Based. Free Thinking Radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay. Um... 
here in uh, the chat room. Uh, Donna, Donna Arduin says, I recommend the Audible version. That's very kind of you. The Audible version is not bad. I will say that. Um, you can get the copy on Audible. I've dropped the link in the chat room there. You can listen to it anytime you like. It's a good little read. And um, I got a lot out of the book as I read it and performed it. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a good one right there. So anyway, you can get the, uh, you can get the, you can go out there and check it out. The Backyard Millionaire. Um, all right. I like to read versus listen, says Harold. Well, you can also get it on Amazon, The Backyard Millionaire. I mean, you can go right there. Um, plug for American Marxism by Mark Levin also. Well, there you go. That's a good, I haven't read it, but uh, I have read a couple of uh, Levin's books from the past. I haven't read, I haven't read one of his books in probably five or six years. Um, all right. <clears throat> What else we got here? Uh, do you have a candidate that will be stepping up and running? A, oh, because uh, uh, David Henry said, uh, the Fairbanks Daily News Miner is going to be running an article on our district censoring of Bishop. A reporter interviewed me today and our outgoing chairman yesterday. He said, I'm not about to pay those people. I think he means the news miner, just to see what they wrote about us. So if anybody... <laughs> So if anybody does have a subscription to the Fairbanks Daily News Miner, he'd love a synopsis. Uh, so there you go. Uh, yeah, I, I I won't pay money to the Fairbanks Daily News Miner. I'll read the headlines or my one free article a month or whatever I get, but oof, I'm not going to do that. Pamela asked, do you have a candidate that will be stepping up and running against him, meaning Click Bishop? Uh, I don't know if they do or not. Uh, David will could give us the rundown on that. Uh, but I think that... Uh, this is what I've been talking about. Um, this is what I've been talking about for a long time is that we need to have a candidate in every race possible out there. There needs to be at least a challenger, even to good candidates, even to people that we consider to be good candidates. They need a challenger because the challenger keeps them fresh, keeps them strong, keeps them on their toes. And, uh, and I think we'll hopefully keep them, you know, focused on what is good for their, uh, uh, what is good for their, uh, 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 you know, their candidacy there. I was looking at Josh Rivak. What is your think of him? What I think, what do I think of him? Uh, Josh Rivak, not much. Um, he is a big state guy. Uh, he's been uh, uh, following along behind Natasha for much of this last session. And, uh, and I think that, uh, he is, uh, he's got his eyes on bigger things. I think he want to be congressman, but I don't think he's as serious about it as he, uh, as he portrays to be. Uh, there was an article up in must read today talking about all the different monies that are, um, that are being spent on the race right now for the special election. And, uh, uh, Tara, uh, Tara Sweeney and uh, Al Gross and Nick Baggage have all spent a significant amount of money, sometimes their own money, sometimes PAC money, but there's a significant amount of support behind them. Um, and uh, But missing from the radio and television airwaves um, are, uh, are is Josh Rivak. Josh Rivak and Chris, Con- Chris Constant, neither one of them have done radio or TV buys. They do have some digital ads, but they're really not buying anything. 
And I think if you're serious about this, you need to uh, – now maybe they're saving their shekels for the main race. Maybe they're saving their shekels um, for, uh, you know, for the for the big – not for the short term. You know, you'll be a congressman for three-month deal here in the special election, but maybe for the main election. I don't know. But Josh Revac has not impressed me at all. Um, I, I think he really killed it for me when he came on the program and talked specifically – about, uh, could you imagine a $10,000 dividend? Why would we give people that much money? Well, first of all, because it's their money. Second of all, a rising tide floats all boat. If each person's getting 10000 you know the government's getting 10000 on the other side of it. So, I mean, where would you rather have that money go? Um, Revac and baggage seem the same. Well, if they seem the same to you, Roberts, it's because you haven't been paying attention. I'll be honest with you. It's just you haven't been paying attention. Um, let's see. Um, just think if you own four homes and sold them, you would have a bunch of cash in today market or just renting them. You would have a nice income said Chris. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, if those are the ones spending, you should have vote. You shouldn't vote for them. Said Timothy, if they're spending money, you shouldn't vote for them. Okay. I mean, so I guess you, you're going to vote for Santa Claus. Is that your choice? Because he's the only one that's not going to spend money on advertising. He's already said that. He's only going to spend $400 on his campaign of his own money. So that's it. Nobody else should get, if they're spending, you shouldn't vote for him. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a unique tactic. I don't know where it's going to lead to, but I guess we'll see. Uh, all right, we got to go. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. We've been uh, hitting things up in the chat room. Talking uh, talking about uh, different things. We were just talking about the congressional race. There's an article over on Must Read talking about uh, who's buying airtime right now for the congressional races. And uh, the fact that uh, Al Gross is uh, spending almost a couple hundred thousand bucks. Nick Begich has spent a couple hundred thousand bucks. Tara Sweeney uh, hasn't had much in the personal expenditures, but there's an independent expenditure group that spent about 176000 Sarah Palin's booked about $30,000 in radio. Uh, but missing, missing, missing from the airwaves right now are Chris Constant, the Democrat, and Republican candidate Josh Revac, neither of which who have bought radio or television advertising. So I don't know if, if they're just not serious about this race, or if they're saving all their money for the big race in November. I don't know. I, I don't know uh, uh, for where you go. And then somebody asked, well, who are you supporting for the Congress? And uh, I said earlier, I said I hadn't decided. Um, I really like Chris Bayh. Chris Bayh is the Libertarian candidate. Uh, I really like him, and I kind of like uh, Nick Baggage. I think Nick Baggage has had some good things to say, and I think that he is one of the more Libertarian-leaning conservatives out there. Uh, that I like. So I haven't decided who I'm going to vote for in the primary yet, but it's between those two right now, Chris By and um, Nick Baggage. I fully expect Baggage is going to make it to the final four, 
Um, so that being the case, more than likely, I will be voting for Chris By in the primary just to see if uh, he makes it to, to the final four. Uh, but um, in the long run, of all the Republican candidates out there that are on the Republican ticket itself, uh, I would say that probably Nick Baggage is the one that I'm most closely aligned to philosophically, and so I have a definitely have a tendency to go there. Josh Revac, that's a full-on nope for me. John Coghill, also a full-on nope. Andrew Halcrow, <laughs> don't make me laugh. Um, but that's just uh, that's just my take on it. So you um you uh, you tell me what who you think i mean what what are what are you guys thinking i mean we're coming up on it here the 11th of june is the day for the final postmark and the ballots to be uh, turned in for the special primary election which is going on by mail so you guys tell me i mean who do you like who do you think is going to make would make the best candidate out of all the 48 candidates that are on the ticket right now who is your choice uh, amongst the Republicans out there who will do, uh, you know, who would do the best job? Or maybe not the Republic, just the Liberty or whoever, the independents, the AIP, the constitutional people, the, the Democrats. Who do you think would make a good choice in your uh, uh, in your uh, in your mind? Four three three thirty one fifty four three 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 one five zero. If you would like to sound off. I mean, I'd love to hear what your take is on the candidate for uh, the candidate for Congress, uh, both in the short term here during the special election. Remember, we could have one congressman for uh, you know for a three month period of time until January, and then have a new one sworn in after the November elections, and you know they'd be sworn in in January. So, I mean, it could be one and then the other. You could have the best of both worlds. Uh, but I, you know, that's kind of where my take is right now is in the primary, I'm, uh, leaning towards voting for Chris by because I fully expect that baggage will make it onto the, uh, main ballot for ranked choice voting. And then I'll have to make a choice from there. Um, you know, I fully expect baggage will make the ballot. I expect that Palin will make the ballot. Uh, Al Gross will make the ballot. The wild card is going to be whoever the fourth one is, and it may be Chris constant. It may be. Um, it may be Chris by, it may be somebody else. I don't know. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't know what, whatever your hot take is on it. I would love to hear what you have to say on that. Uh, quick reminder, uh, for those of you who are joining us or still with us here this morning on Friday, uh, this is already Memorial day weekend and I have made the executive decision. I checked in with the broadcast manager and everybody else and uh, decided that I'm going to take Friday off. So I am going to be enjoying a little downtime with the family and memorializing Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I'll get a four-day weekend out of it, which means on Friday you will have alternate programming. It'll be, I think, Daybreak USA up in the interior and on the uh, Fairbanks stations and down across the whole peninsula and everything else. It'll be Michael Gallagher. So I think that um, uh, I, I think that's going to be the best choice for me. So I'm going to be taking Friday off, so I will not be on the airwaves or on Facebook or social media on Friday. Um, but that also means that we won't have any firearms Friday, which has already caused some angst, and I've gotten some emails over it. So what we're going to do is we're going to do some firearm stuff on Thursday. 
on Thursday. That's uh, what you can decide to do. So go ahead and uh, and prime your calendars for a Firearms Friday on a Thursday. That's that's what's coming up. And then, of course, I will also be off on Memorial Day, uh, which is a standard holiday for me. I will be off on Memorial Day. So there will be alternate programming on Friday and on Monday. And uh, it will be good to go. Greg in the chat room says, can I have Friday off? Yes, Greg, you can have Friday. You're the boss, Greg. I would just talk to the boss. Go in the mirror and go look in yourself and make the argument why you can, uh, you know, why you can be off on uh, Friday. Tactical Thursday says uh, says Greg. That's not a bad one. Um, theoretical Thursday, thermonuclear Thursday. No, that's a little heavy. I don't think we'll get into that. But we'll do some we'll do some firearm stuff on uh, on Thursday. We're gonna enjoy that as well. Coming up on tomorrow's program, I have no idea. Mike Shower has asked me to take the week off. He did that last week on the program, asked if he could take this week off, to which I said, I guess. <laughs> so Mike Shower will not be joining us. Maybe we'll uh, reach out to a couple of these candidates uh, for uh, a couple of these candidates for uh, for governor that we haven't spoken to yet. Um, a couple of them that I hadn't even heard of. Uh, and a couple that I had, uh, I would like to talk to Billy Toyne and Shirley Rainbolt uh, sometime. They're the libertarian candidates for governor. And uh, <clears throat> John Wayne Howe and Shelley Wyatt, who are the AIP, the Alaska Independence Party candidates for governor. Both of them would be a good choice. We'll see if maybe we can get them on. And then uh, two sets of Republicans, <clears throat> excuse me, one set of Republicans that, uh, no, two, two sets of Republicans that I hadn't really heard of. I'd seen the names, but I don't know them. Uh, and that is David Haig and Waynette Coleman. Uh, that's one ticket. And then there's a second set of Republicans running for governor, Bruce Walden and Tanya Lang. And so we will uh, see if we could uh, get them on as well. It would be a, it would be a good, uh, good discussion. Uh, and finally, I've been considering this for a while. It's something that I have promised to Common Sense Core members, and we've done a couple of them. But I was talking about doing one this weekend, and that was an Ask Me Anything, which is the you know an AMA. That's a thing that the cool kids do these days. Where basically we just have a live stream for folks um, on the interwebs, uh, where we just sit around and chat, and I just answer random questions from the chat room. People have always had, you know, burning desire to know something about, you know, me or whoever, and I'm happy to do that. So I've been considering doing that this Saturday. Um, and so if you are going to be around this weekend and near a computer and you might be interested in it, let me know. Send me a message uh, or whatever. I would love to. Uh, I'd love to hear <clears throat> what your thoughts are and whether or not you think and ask me anything is um is a, is a good thing to do this weekend. So if you if you're interested in it, send me a message uh, on Facebook or send me an email me at michaeldukeshow.com or you can tell me over the next 2 days as we do the program and we open up the phone lines uh that you would like to participate in that. I I would I would do that as well. So that's kind of all the it's kind of the housekeeping stuff for today. Look at that. We're down to the we're down to the end. Look at that. End of the show. All right. Well, <clears throat> and ask me anything is always better with scotch. Well, that's true. That's true. And usually they do divulge into that eventually. So, you know, we could talk about that as well. All right, my friends. Well, we are out of time for today. Tomorrow is another one. I'll see what I can come up with for guests. And we will be back 
tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Do me a favor. Love one another. Be kind. Be kind to one another. And live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. And guess what I picked up yesterday? I got me a fresh batch of Beard Curdler coffee. Deshana is going to be happy because I've I've been out of coffee since December. The whole supply chain thing has really just sucked. But I got coffee now, so I'm going to be dropping some bags in the mail to people who won them during the holiday contest. And then I might have a few bags to wheel around with me when I go out and visit other places. So anyway, it's good stuff. Appreciate you guys coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a groovy day. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show